Hey, what's up, friends? Today's podcast is a new addition to the podcast called Med Sessions. This is for my social media followers, basically the med students and the pre-meds who are interested to learn a little bit more about what that journey is all about. So I actually brought on one of my best friends who was my medical school roommate uh, to talk a little bit about our experience as medical students and what that whole process was like because I think it's pretty valuable to have some people tell you about what you're getting into and kind of the things that you go through on that journey. So it's kind of laid back. We kind of just dish it back and forth. And really, that's all this is about. This is just, you know, a supplement to the podcast. So our social media followers can also engage and also be part of this conversation on here. Also, if you're not in the medical field, I mean, you might still enjoy this episode. There's still like some things that we talk about that you might be even able to relate to. So there's that as well. Before I get into it even more, I'm going to give a quick spiel about scrubs because a lot of med students and pre-meds might be listening and you might be seeing all the influencers on social talking about their scrubs or wearing their scrubs. And I want to give my two cents really quick because I have tried a few on and there are a few that really, really stick out to me and one in particular, and that is Metalita. Not only do they make the highest quality scrubs on the market right now, they are the only company that I truly feel is 100% committed to healthcare professionals and they're probably the best to deal with, in my opinion. Uh, Not only do the scrubs look great, but they feel great and they are made with the intention to be the highest quality scrubs on the market. One more thing I wanna talk about is for people who are having trouble studying and don't know how to study, there's a really great resource by my friend, Dr. Buck Parker, who has an online course teaching young pre-meds or even high school students how to get into the good habit of studying and how, how to develop uh, the right techniques and the right patterns. And also, he provides a lot of mo- motivation and uh, you know outside-the-box things that can really help people get better at studying. So, so if you want to check that out, it is in the show notes. You can just click on the link in there. All right. What's up, guys? I got my buddy, Jose Redondo, my buddy from medical school, and we're just kind of talking today. We're going to talk a little bit about just life during medical school, which is not that long ago. We're recording in a little bit of a noisy area, so you might hear some weird things in the background. Don't mind that. Uh, And all right. Well, I got my coffee here, Jose. You don't have your coffee. Yeah, no coffee. No, we all know no, why you can't drink coffee. That's right. We'll get into that later. But <laughs> just like I was saying, um, I'm glad to um, have the opportunity to come in here and do this podcast with you. I know how much uh, work you put into it. And, Bro, why are you being so formal? Well, I'm just trying to introduce myself <laughs> so that people at least have some context of what so, uh, uh, so it's uh, even less like interactions with like other Hispanics. So I think I'm even forgetting how to speak Spanish now. Damn. All right. So basically, you know, today's all about just, you know, this this is a new thing that we're going to start doing on the podcast. And I think we're going to call it med sessions just because uh, a lot of the content that is on the podcast is directed at everyday people and, you know, kind of helping helping to bridge that gap between medical knowledge uh, that, that you know, the plethora of I can't believe I just used the word plethora. The abundance of uh, knowledge that exists among our professionals uh, and uh, the lack of an efficient and easy conversational way to get that information across to people. That's the main goal of the podcast. But then, you know, like I'm thinking med sessions is also a way to connect with uh, my audience on social because a lot of uh, a lot of my audience is people that are in medicine, pre-meds, med students. Uh, so we want to bring some value to uh, to our to our followers on there as well. And so I thought it'd be cool if me and Jose just sat and talked about kind of some of the things that we've gone through. And uh, you know, med school's tough, man. There's a lot of there. Like, last four years were not easy, right? Absolutely not. So, I mean, this is the thing. At least for me, getting into med school right away, I was like, you know what? That's it. I made it. Like, 
hang yeah. up the gloves, like just that's it. Like there's nothing stopping me from becoming a doctor. But the problem is there's a lot of hurdles you have to overcome. And you have to overcome those hurdles a lot of the times. Most, a lot of people do it away from their family, and it makes things even more difficult. You have to do perform well in your class. You have to pass step one, step two, and there could be like you know, nothing guarantees you from graduating. And a lot of people don't realize that. that once you get to medical school, you better be ready to work your ass off because if not, you fail. And the world is going to go on just without you. Right, right. Yeah, we think that uh, what we're told, you know, the hardest part is getting into medical school, which which is hard. You know, it's not an easy thing to do. You have to get the grades. You got to, I mean, I do think that the way we select applicants is not the best, but, uh, you know, it's not over once you do get in. Mm-hmm. And, man, we had some, re- like, Jose, you know this, like, you know I've been through some shit yeah. when we were in medical school. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it's kind of cool because the people that you go to school with, once you start, you guys go through so much together that you just, you understand each other. You know, you know you know the pains, the highs, and the lows, and it's a, it's a feeling that you can share amongst your classmates that you can't really share with, you know, with anybody else because... Nobody, else, nobody really knows what you go through in that process. Uh, so I guess we'll kind of go through like chronologically, just like first year. Man, first year was tough. You got you had to learn all. I mean, you're basically learning a new way to study. There's no way to study 500 pages of anatomy in oh, in a week and by doing flashcards. You just horrible. can't do that. It's uh, the old adage that they say, like, literally putting your mouth to a fire hydrant. That's absolutely correct. That's how at least I felt my first week, week and a half. But I, I feel like at that point, like, the like fatigue that sets on later on, you're, sort of, you're relatively fresh. So you kind of put up with it because you're still excited that you're in medical school and you see all these people around you. You're, you're in a new environment doing these cool new things that you haven't done before. So you sort of put up with it. But eventually, just like the grind of things, you're finished with this exam, which you had to study pretty much the entire week almost nonstop, and then the next exam is almost like three days after. Yeah. So you kind of start like feeling that burnout almost right away, and a lot of people just fall into the trap of like not finding healthy habits, healthy social habits, healthy uh, personal habits to actually offset that burnout, which is which happens so often in medical school, yeah. and even after medical school, it just continues. Yeah. So that's why it's so common for you to um, meet these, these doctors and medical students that were once healthy people that all of a sudden are just, you know, wrecks and are like... We were all at, like that at some point. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's something that you really have to go through and um, you could plan to it. You could yeah. plan for it, but you only really, I guess, know how you're going to react when you're in the middle of it yeah. and you're like, oh man, I'm so tired. I'm on four hours of sleep and I have this major exam coming up. You got to learn how to get efficient from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, for me, it took me a whole year, at least a year. Like I had no idea what I was doing for a year. Uh, before you start figuring out, okay, like certain areas you can get better at, stop wasting time. Uh, you know, you start realizing what's important, what's not important. That's all really part of the process of going through medical school. And uh, like you said earlier, you know, I talk about this a lot to people and I tell them, hey, you guys, once you start medical school, don't forget to take care of yourself. Don't forget to do, uh, don't forget to go to the gym. Don't forget to keep eating healthy. Don't fall into the habit of uh, fast food every single day. Uh, You really have to make a very conscious effort in the very beginning and kind of like a commitment to yourself that you're going to do these things because in the long run, they're going to, they're going to, you know, keep you sustainable and they're going to allow you to sustain, you know, the right mindset and the right energy. And, uh, it'll make the whole process easier if you make that commitment early on. Uh, what was your, Jose, what was your biggest struggle? starting off in med school like the first two years you know for me um i've always been the sort of person that i have a one-track mind i'm really great at focusing on one thing at a time but when you're asking me to split my time between studying and personal life and let's say going to the gym and making sure i do like you know like i don't know jujitsu or yoga whatever it's when I really start having issues because I could only focus on one thing and obviously studying is going to be like the number one priority in your life 
But the more you go along, the more you realize, you know, um, this is a marathon. I am not going to gain anything by um, spending an extra hour, hour and a half studying when I could be spending this time doing something that's going to be beneficial for myself. Right. One hour of your life, which is really all you need to sort of just decompress and feel a little better, go to bed sort of stress-free, is really all you need. And if you feel like you need to spend that extra hour just studying and being more stressed and killing yourself over things that ultimately don't matter as much, you're gonna have a really hard time. You have to learn how to like really let go and trust yourself that the material you are covering is sticking to your mind because you're never gonna feel like, oh, you have this material completely mastered. Right, you're never gonna, you're never gonna have the feeling that you know everything. You have to accept that. Yeah. And because you're going to drive yourself crazy if you don't accept that. And there's always going to be people that you compare yourself with because ultimately, like, the enemy of you being happy is you comparing yourself to other people. Oh, I seem a lot smarter than you, but you have to keep in mind that they're struggling just as much as you are. Right. Some people are just very good at looking like they have their shit under control, but in reality, if you get to know them better, really almost no one, like, actually nobody does because everybody is, everyone's a unique dynamic person and there's always an issue that somebody's dealing with besides school right and you also can't compare people like you know some people might get really good grades but maybe they're not taking care of themselves mentally and physically uh, but they're pouring all their time and effort into studying and that's not in my opinion that's not the road to success getting getting a 99th percentile on every single exam and completely neglecting your mental health and your physical health and you know like everything else in that that you know that is part of your life that to me is not success success is being able to kind of you know get through the material learn what's important because this is all going to come back especially in the first two years this is all going to come back once you're doing your clinicals and then you're going to uh, address it again once you're in once you're in residency and really reinforce it mm-hmm. the important thing is getting through it getting the important stuff out of it and also making sure you're taking care of yourself and doing the things that uh that are going to sustain you in the long run like uh you know having a good group of friends going out and socializing once in a while uh, going to the gym, exercising, eating healthy. These things, I, I'm going to keep saying them because they're really important because they're often neglected. And uh, I think people, I mean, obviously, you know, mental health is a big issue. We've all felt like, dude, you've seen me some of the times where I've had like, we won't go into them because I don't want to put all that stuff out in public. Yeah. But, you know, I've had a couple rough times after like some certain exams. And uh, like... Man, those were hard times. Like getting through them was really hard. And if it wasn't for like you or like Mac or Sammy and like yeah. some of the other guys that you know we all talked to, it would have been hard to get through some of that stuff. Yeah, it makes a it makes a huge difference having the support circle, and you could really tell more like a, like midway through your second year, yeah. the people that were able to form that support, I guess, a friend. Um, you could tell that you sort of start dealing with things a lot better. You guys leaving? Um, you still have the yeah. same amount of stress. You guys, are you is Zarela leaving too? I don't want to interrupt. It's her. okay. It's this fine. Is, it's fine. Uh, no, I'm just having lunch with a friend, and then uh, I think Rose having lunch with you guys. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, cool. Okay. Well, we'll see. We'll see you guys later. Are you coming out with us tonight? Uh, probably. Okay. Nice. All right, don't forget your passport. You need them. I got <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> So yeah, where where was I? Um, yeah, just look. When you get into medical school, or whenever you know wherever you are, wherever you are in life, it doesn't matter whether you're in medical school or not. You need people that you can trust. You need people that you can be friends with. You need people to be open with, and you have to make an effort. You know, if um, you make sure you don't like become closed off because then you're just gonna end up all alone. I know when I started, I made an effort to make people, you know, to meet friends like you guys, you, yeah. Rami. Uh, we just felt bad for you. Phil, everybody, you know? We just felt bad for you. That's why we were here. For well, I mean, I, I mean, like, I remember the first day we freaking <laughs> met. Like, you guys always used to study, like, in that place in Fee Hall. And I'm just like, oh, let me just sit here. <laughs> and let me just, like, bro out with these guys. And, you know, dude, I remember you guys you weaseled yourself in. Dude, yeah. <laughs> Anyways. All right, we just have to cut a part out because it was not appropriate for the podcast. Yeah. All right. Uh... <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, so basically, we, uh, Jose weaseled himself into our uh, group of friends. Yeah, you have to make a, like, you see, like, I knew, like, I knew, like, I already knew these people before we started medical school, so we already kind of had, like, a little Arab yeah. clique. And, and, and we, had a, we, had a, we had a diverse group of people. We had, we had, like, a very diverse group of people yeah. that we hung out with. I used to, um, I usually ha- used to hang out with another crew of people before I actually met uh, Rami uh, early on, but I just, uh, so I used to hang out with other, uh, with another crew. Uh, before I met uh, Rami and his friends, but and then he realized we were way cooler. Yeah, I was just like, man, these people are just not my friends, and that's totally fine. You're not gonna mess with everybody you meet. Yeah, man, there was some. We, we had some good times. But see, here's the thing: medical school is stressful. It's hard. Uh, like, it's hard, man. But when I look back at it now, it was actually kind of fun in a miserable way. I don't know if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, it was, because, you know, like, like the times we played ping pong or, like, you know, like, we have, like, an ex- like we used to study till 5 a.m. every night, the week leading up to an exam. Brutal. Like, man, I remember I used to have to calculate how many hours it would take me to get through a set of material and how many hours I could sleep every day. Oh, my God, dude. I- because, like, I know, okay, I have this much material. Holy shit, like, it takes me this long to get, it takes me an hour to get through this much. How long would it take me to get through this much? I'd calculate it, and I'd have to figure out, okay, I have just enough time to cover it all before the exam, and then, you know, I'd schedule a ping pong here and there. Yeah, I, uh... <laughs> that was our study breaks. Well, I mean, I would always beat you in ping pong, so you, uh, you weren't really planning out your time very well. Or maybe you should have planned more time for ping pong, because I... Man. Well, how many times did you beat me? Like, two times out of, like, a million times that we played? This guy is full of shit. <laughs> Man, we did get very. We had tournament. We had ping pong tournaments. The worst was when you were studying, and then you played ping pong, and you lost the match. And you can't study again. For me, I couldn't. Like if I ever lost to you or to Bizet, yeah, I was pissed. <laughs> I you were worried about what you were yeah. studying for, like respiratory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, if I won, I could get back right back to study. For me, I was just like a ping pong whore. I just was waiting for anybody just to ask me to play ping pong. I was just looking for any excuse just to stop studying. Yeah, you wanted to go outside and talk it. like about anything. You wanted to get Cheetos. You wanted to get food. You wanted to go, I don't know, put money in your parking meter. I'll go with you. Any excuse to get me out of studying. Holy crap. Dude, I, I do not miss all the tickets from Fee Hall. Do you remember how many freaking oh tickets? My, I think that was like equivalent to my to like a semester of tuition. If they ever call me to like give money back Dude, to the they, university, they called me. They called me asking for uh, a donation, like just not, like not that long ago. Just shameless, like shameless, dude. I'm yeah. like, I'm still a gajillion dollars in debt. You guys oh. are. I'm accumulating. <laughs> the amount of debt we're accumulating every single day is ridiculous. It's like seventy five dollars a day. I'll never forget my first uh, neurology exam. Right afterwards, I went, I go back to my car, and my car was gone because it literally got towed. Partial part, part of the reason because it was. Oh my yeah, I remember that. Because I never paid my parking tickets, <laughs> uh, so I thought it would be fine. Like, hey, what's the worst they can do? They're just gonna tow my car. They're not gonna do that. Come on. And yeah, they just, they just took my car, and then I go up to the administrator. I forget her name, and then I just start like yelling at her, like, "That was my car." Oh my god. So. That was always uh, like the panic after an exam because we'd all get there last minute. No. We're tired. We're crammed. We just pull up, and you know sometimes we park in like those spots where we're not supposed to park because we're like, oh, I'm gonna miss yeah. the exam. I have to park. Yeah. And then you finish the exam. You're like, oh my god, I have my car still there. I have my car still there. You guys don't. You guys are not. Uh, maybe some of you might if you ever go to Michigan State College of Osteopathic Medicine. That even if you want to, like, you have to plan how you get to class at least 30 minutes ahead of time because there's a good chance that there's going to be a train passing by before you even get to the hall and there's also a good chance that the train is going to get stuck in the tracks so a lot of the times these trains got stuck and kids literally like we had to jump over the rails over the train to get to Fee Hall and then there was this one time it was a a lot of people were late and those people were not allowed to take the exam I was like are you kidding me Somebody's gonna have their leg cut off when the train starts <laughs> off again. And it's getting worked up. It was just there's a lot of problems with every medical school. These are the problems with MSU Kong. I'm sure yeah. you've heard about all the other problems. <laughs> We're not going there. If you've like been going there, paying yeah. attention to like the national media and 
we're not yeah. going there. Either way, no medical school is perfect. And our medical school, we had a train that we had to, like, dodge <laughs> on the way to class. <laughs> Especially because we all lived on that side of the university, so we have to come from that way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. MSU, man. What a school. MSU, I am glad I'm out of there, and I am glad I'm out of Here's the thing, like, you don't... That's the thing you... Man, like... So this, so this is for people listening right now that are probably in their first and second years. It's really hard to see an end to it. But, man, it does, kind of, it does kind of pass by fast once you look back. I mean, it doesn't feel like it was that long ago. I, I, I agree. Yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't feel like it was that long ago. While you're in it, it feels like it's an eternity. Yeah, but it feels like an eternity. Done, yeah. It's just like, wow, that was fast. Exactly. And I was like, oh, shit, I have residency to go through now oh this is gonna take forever and then before you know it it's gonna be done well now it's more like now it's not that now it's just like I've been now you're starting to see your friends start their careers and you know like establish themselves and I think I think that's kind of like what I'm struggling with right now it's just like I've been doing this for so long like when is this finally gonna like when are we start really gonna like you know we got we still have to learn there's still like a lot we have to learn and you know we get better at but yeah I think that I think that's kind of like a struggle for a lot of residents is that uh, it just feels like it's taking forever it just feels like it's never ending you know that's like for me I feel that way sometimes yeah I mean dude I'm totally there with you and the field that we that we chose yeah. we're gonna be lifelong learners even after we're done with step three and we get, you know, we become attendings, every 10 years we're going to have to, like, renew our licenses. Yeah. And there's just medicine. You're in the type of field that there's always new information coming out. Always. And the always. last thing you want to do is be that attending that stopped reading 10 years ago and you're practicing medicine based on guidelines that are 10 years old. And right. believe me, from and they're working, always changing. it does happen. There's some doctors that are, they just stop reading, they stop learning, mm-hmm. and they just become essentially pariahs, even within their own hospitals, because they stopped learning and if you're going to go into medicine you have to come with term two terms that you're always going to learn and whether you like it or not if you want to be a good doctor you have to always be willing to learn and adapt and change and evolve yep if not you're going to be left behind in the dust and yep. that's just the reality. 100 i my thing is that you got to be able to think outside the box too in medicine there's too much group think man there's too much uh, just too much following the herd and not in mu- not enough individualism and kind of just you know sticking you know believing in yourself and doing your own thing and mm-hmm. thinking outside of the box there's not enough of that because I feel like because of the hierarchy and because of oh. us being placed yeah. you know like you start off at the bottom of the totem pole as a medical student first year and you know you gotta kind of like tuck your shoulders in and put your head down and just you know you know Essentially, it's you're being suppressed. You know, like yeah. you're not able to shine. You're not able to uh, to to feel like you're more than just a little medical student. You're always going to be you trying know? to impress someone above you, even as an attending. But that <laughs> it happens. That that it doesn't know, cultivate creativity. Yeah, but that hierarchy that suppresses people and that doesn't let them, you know, branch out and do the, the innovative things and be leaders and you know, like you're not you're not taught to, you're not given the opportunity or like the the environment to grow into like a strong leader you know like you're not because of the environment that you're in so like you got to be very very strong i think to be able to say you know what i'm 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 i believe in myself this is my vision this is what i want to do this is what i want to get after this is what i want out of my life and you got to be like bold enough to actually want to do that and i feel like in medicine it's hard that if you're naturally that kind of person it's suppressed it's suppressed by the environment and like the, the culture of medicine it just goes along with like like exactly like you said the culture of medicine it's uh you know it, you're playing a game and to play this game you have to be a certain type of way which includes mm-hmm. shutting shutting up yeah you have talk to, to your attending do what you're told and do what you're told well yes you're not exactly being told like hey like find an alternative way to think about this or find an alternative way to do this you have to do these things according to these guidelines and that's how it works I mean there's some truth and there's some you know 
is a system that works to some extent, but I feel like, you know, medicine is very archaic in the way that it's practiced and even in the way that it's taught now in the hospitals. There's some changes coming down the pipeline, but um, it's still like a 19, like early 1900s way of teaching that we're implementing now in a whole new age where like, right. things could be done way more efficiently. I, yeah. I just yeah I, I agree and I think that it's important for young people pre-med med students to never feel like you might feel like what's the right word I'm looking for you might feel like you're being you might lose some confidence because you know your vision and what you think your strengths are are not noticed because of you know the, the strengths that you're being judged on as a medical student you're being judged on your grades and you're being judged on scores and you're being judged on your ability to follow directions and be a good little boy or girl Absolutely, right yeah. so you're essentially if you're not all of those things you're you're not looked upon as highly as someone else is who is because in the medical field that's the ideal candidate that's the ideal person that would be a good fit for a resident residency program or for uh, whatever it may be. But tell me, name one leader, name one person that's ever done anything great in this world that's been all of those things. People that do the, the great things or do things that are, make changes in the world, they're people who break the rules. They're people who think differently. They're people who are creative. And they're people who are not afraid to question the status quo. Yet, if you do that in medicine, you're severely reprimanded for doing that. Yeah, dude. I mean, just to mirror off of what you said, I think it's more important than anything that whenever you get into this profession or any other profession anywhere in life, you got to have a really good internal compass. Yes. And just 100%. know your self-worth from the beginning and do not let anybody tell you you're worth anything else than what you believe you are because it is so easy to let other people define who you are and put you in a quote-unquote place that you belong and those people have no business and no saying, they should have no saying at all in what you are and your worth as a person. It's, right. um, it's, it's, you do not want to be the person that, um, that's ultimate, that, that their goals gets determined by what somebody else that is doing nothing but criticizing yourself is essentially. And it's real easy to feel that way. Yeah. It's real easy that, you know, if someone, you know, like if you make a mistake and someone puts you down like for doing something, it's real easy to get down on yourself and feel like, oh my God, like, you know, you get really low about it because you feel like you're not, you're not performing well, yeah. right? But, you know, you got to also realize that this is just a single person's judgment of you. It's not uh, a real represent re representation of your value or of what you're capable of. And I think that's really important for uh, young students uh, pre-meds or med students to keep in mind you got to derive your own value you got to be very very uh, driven by your own internal compass uh, and not let outside factors affect that yes if you make a mistake and you know you do something wrong and you get yelled at or you get you know something happens take it learn from it but don't let it affect you inside don't take it personally because it's not a reflection of you yeah use it as an opportunity be ultimately stronger but don't let yourself get down i mean this happens to both of us right now starting residency yeah how was our first you know our first week our first month of internal medicine yeah. there's so much coming your way your role changes drastically and you sort of feel like oh crap like i don't know anything right now yeah. and then you have a bad attending yeah. and then that attending is expecting you to be you know the second right. coming of i don't know yeah. No, I, I mean, I, thankfully, I have, good I have good attendings right now, and, uh, you know, I'm being, I, I'm very thankful with, uh, you know, where my, where my path has led me, where I ended up, you know, like, I've talked about the whole thing about not matching and going through all of that on my Instagram, and, man, that was a tough time, you know, like, I got through it, and now I'm at a place that I would have never expected, but... Man, it worked out really well. You got, and I, you know, I. You can think you can think that you're gonna end up somewhere, and you might have like these grand plans, and life might take you somewhere else. But you gotta make the best out of them, and sometimes they end up being, you know, 
there's this there's I heard this somewhere on a podcast I can't remember where but it was like this is where your life unfolds probably Joe Rogan <laughs> probably I don't think it was Joe Rogan it might have been like Z Dog MD or something like that but basically you know it was like this is where your life unfolds like you go to a new place you didn't match here you matched there you go there you meet you know your future wife and then you have kids and you have a family with her and that's the way your life unfolds or you go there and then you get another job and that job leads to an amazing career for you and you're successful like your life is going to unfold where you are so there's no point in dwelling about it you know one day you're going to be really thankful that things worked out the way they did because you're going to have a family you're going to have a career you're going to have a bunch of things that ended up coming from that and you know you're going to be really thankful for that yeah I mean um, I'm part of right now. I don't know if uh, I mean you guys don't know, but I'm part of the I'm part of the Navy. I'm a military physician, mm-hmm. and um, I did that because Michigan State College of Osteopathic Medicine was so um, it was so expensive. But either way, there's this uh, saying because we get people from all over the country. A lot of us are new to Washington D.C. And they tell us, uh, I'm, not, I'm never going to forget this quote, is thrive where you land. You got to try to be like seed. Yep. It doesn't matter if you end up in your dream medical school or the opposite of your dream medical school. Somewhere, I don't know, somewhere you never thought you would expect. Right. Regardless you, yeah. where you land, you're going to have to thrive and make the best of, out of that opportunity. And if you change your mindset from oh, I wish I would have gone there to I'm glad I'm here and I'm going to make the best of it is going to make all the difference in the world. 100%. Totally agree. Damn, Jose, you just got deep. Damn, you know, that's why I'm here. I'm the expert. (laughs) (laughs) Who knew? Jose needs a podcast. Hey, uh, philosophy I would, with Jose. I would do a podcast, Jose Rodando, if, if I wasn't so uh, busy all the time. Because I mean, I don't get the weekends off. You do, you lucky bastard. Well, right now I do. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's hard. Um, medical school is hard. Residency gets harder. And really, I th- I don't. I mean, I think for me it's the opposite. I thought medical school was more stressful because, man. Some of those exams, like the anxiety after and before, just that just is not worth it to me. <laughs> that to me was just like my downfall. I hated that anxiety, that, that anxiousness that I always had after those. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it was yeah. those couple of days that were really stressed. But in between, dude, what did we do? We just oh, yeah. we should try something else. Uh, yeah. So that's for me still scary. Not as scary as when I started, but it's still something that I'm I still think with. medical school is worse. You don't remember that time you had a panic attack? Oh, God. <laughs> you told me that was the worst. It, it was the worst day of my life. I thought I was going to die. I was already okay, praying to my I grandma. Tell, let me tell this story. Oh, God. Okay, guys. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm in my room studying one day. I think it's like two days before an exam. And I hear this knocking on my door. And uh, it's Jose. And he's like, Webby, 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 I need you. Bro, bro, come here. I think I'm, di- I'm going to die, bro. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die. And uh, I, I'm like, dude, what, what's going on? What's up? He's like, I think I had, I think I had too much caffeine and uh, I, I, my heart, my heart. I'm like, all right, Jose, get him out. Let's go. We're going to get him a car and we're going to go to the ED. So we go outside. I think it's, was it the wintertime? No, it was summer. Cause it was, was the summertime. Like crazy. Yeah, so it was the summertime. We got in my car and it's hot outside. And Jose's like, bro, turn on the heat. It's freezing. I'm like, Jose, it's 85 degrees outside. What do you mean it's freezing? Yeah. Oh, shit. So I'm like, what do you mean it's freezing, Ed? <laughs> you started shivering, and then I got really, I started to panic, and rushed you to the ED, and, you know, it turned out you were just having a panic attack, but man, that was right before step one. That's what we were studying for. So yeah, yeah, that was, uh, it was step I mean, one studying, and I think we had, like, another exam, I think. No, it was, it was, it was step one. I was, oh, it was step one. It was step, step one. one, yeah. It was step one. I remember I, yeah, like, so... I'm, I'm doing my steps. I come back from the library. I figured, hey, you know, instead of relaxing a bit, let me just do more questions when I get back home instead of, like, cooking or whatever. And I'm there just looking at questions, and I'm just thinking to myself, what the fuck? I don't know what, I don't, I don't know what this is. Like, yeah. I can't. And for some reason, and I had, like, eight cups of coffee already that day. Very unhealthy, by the way. You should, I have this giant thing against caffeine. He, drink, he has not drank caffeine since that day. Yes. And um, that's how long? That's two years ago. That's two years, dude. And that's even now through residency. So, anyways, um, all of a sudden, I get a nosebleed. 
and I'm like, that's kind of weird. And then I go to the mirror, I like stop it, and then I take my fingers off, and more blood starts coming out. And maybe that was just like the event that set it off when all of a sudden it felt like my chest, my heart was just gonna jump out of my my chest. I was I laid down thinking maybe this would just ride out and it would not stop. I was thinking to myself, holy crap, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. <laughs> good thing that dude, good thing that you were there that day in our apartment because yeah. if not I, would, I was going to call 911. Yeah. So we go to the emergency dude, I was room. Freaking out too. You had me freaking I out. I thought I was going to fucking die. I thought you were going to die. I thought, I don't know, I was like, what the hell? What'd you take, bro? What'd you take? Did you snort some cocaine? What'd you do? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it turns out, like, everything was fine. And then I go back the next day. I go out for a run just to, like, make sure my heart is fine. I never ran harder in my life. I wanted to give my heart, like, a good, like, test yeah. drive, I guess. And then I had another attack, like, a couple of days after that. <laughs> but after yeah. that, I figured, you know, I know I'm not going to die. This is a panic attack. I yeah. went to go see the doctor. And they wanted to put me on uh, SSRIs for it. Uh, and at the time, I figured, you know, no, I don't want to do this. Not, not that there's nothing like there's anything wrong with taking medication that you do need. But I knew I was at a, I was at a point in my life, like how we were talking about earlier, where my life was not balanced at all. I was definitely yeah. not being the best that I could be. Mm-hmm. My whole life revolved around this stupid exam. Yeah, I was having very crappy sleep. It is a stupid exam. It is. It's not a judge. Oh. Dude, it has no clinical significance. It puts so much pressure on you to like just memorize all these random facts. I mean, not random facts, but you know, you, it's an exam that I'll just, I still think it's a stupid exam. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a hoop that we gotta jump yeah. through like anything else. But anyways, I was just so focused on that that I wasn't eating right, I wasn't exercising, I wasn't doing anything. I was just like complete 100% laser focused on this. And I had this like, like legit health event happen to me, which affected the way I studied with it going forward. Because every time I got like a question wrong, all of a sudden I felt like I was gonna have a yeah. panic attack. That's so. For some of you guys listening who have had panic attacks in the past, uh, and if, and if you haven't, it's just basically like a feeling. It's a physiological response to what you, to what you're feeling. So like the symptoms, the physical symptoms that you're feeling. That's your body reacting, and it's almost impossible to stop. Am I right, Jose? It's it's like almost in control. Like at one, at some point, you just can't control it, no matter how hard you try. Right, Jose? Like after the, after it happened to you, about one week before I was taking my step one, which is a couple of months after that, yeah. I had my first panic attack of my whole life. You know, I went twenty five years at that time without ever having a panic attack. I don't know what was happening to you. Yeah, remember, you were telling me the symptoms, and I'm like, dude, I think you're having a panic attack also. Yeah, (laughs) my my, uh, my arms and my legs got numb. I couldn't stand up. I'm like, I felt like I was going to die. I was like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Like... I, you know, I wasn't saying it out loud, but I was like, okay, I'm going to die. Yeah. But, like, that's that feeling of overwhelm that you get. Uh-huh. And I don't know what triggered it. I mean, that just shows how much pressure medical students face when it comes to these exams. Because essentially that exam is telling you what your entire future can become. You don't get that 240, guess what? You're not going into Durham, you're not going into ortho, you're not going into whatever other ENT, whatever specialty that you think that you want. Mm-hmm. Your whole life, you know, creating that vision, you don't get that on this exam. Yep. That's your one shot. You don't have another shot to take this if you don't get that score. Mm-hmm. And the pressure that people feel from that is just incredible, man. You've invested already $200,000, you're already neck deep, you, you've spent all this time and it's leading up to one exam. And the amount of pressure that students feel leading up to that is incredible. And uh, I honestly, I mean, that's the way it is. That's the way it's always been. But, I mean, that's just, it's hard, man. It's really hard. At some point, we got to be like, okay, so what are we doing here? What is the, is this exam really, should it determine your career? I mean, I get it. There's not a better way to screen applicants, Mm -hmm. but... Some people are just horrible test takers. Some people yeah. are not good, just are anxious and don't take an exam really well. They could be a great doctor. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to go down the scene because it's just, there's too much to talk about. But I mean, that's just one thing to consider. But anyways, back to uh, panic attacks, mm-hmm. right? So you get these feelings. So I'm going to, I want to try and help people cope with this. Here's what I did. 
Uh, basically, after this panic attack, for another three months, I had the classic symptoms of agoraphobia, where uh, you avoid the, the place that it happened because you fear that it's going to happen again. This is very common. A lot of people that have panic attacks have, have this uh, following, and you might have some residual anxiety after it, after it happens. You really have to... Turn the turn on. Yeah, my audio's... Sorry, guys, my audio's in, in and out. You really have to uh, know that this is, number one, not going to kill you. It's impossible. Nobody's ever died from it. Uh, number two, you have to know that it's your brain forming connections. So essentially, once you've got this recurrent anxiety and you've essentially formed these connections in your brain uh you know there's this thing that says you know uh, axons that fire together wire together that means that once you when you continuously act in a certain way whether it's anxiety you're creating you're strengthening these connections in your brain and you're reinforcing that and ultimately you have to figure out a way to break those connections and get your brain functioning in a normal capacity so the biggest and the best way to get over that is through meditation uh and it's a lot easier said than done because meditation is not easy you have to really make it a commitment and you have to really practice it and you may not get a single result for weeks so what i did to kind of because i was aware i knew that there was something going on that i just couldn't control and i was aware of it i knew that it wasn't me consciously controlling this so uh, I started getting into uh, a very strict uh, meditation routine where I did it three times a day for 20 minutes after this. Um, and after about two or three weeks, I, I noticed an incredible difference in uh, the symptoms. And this is after three months of experiencing this after the panic attack. Yeah. Uh, when I did that, I, I, what I think happens is that you rewire your, your brain, you relax it, and you don't create those uh, cycles of anxiety because what happens is when you're anxious uh, your your brain is firing in a certain way that is creating a physical response your body responds to that anxiety so the next time you're anxious that response is even stronger mm -hmm. and it makes the symptoms even stronger and the next time you're anxious those symptoms are even stronger and it makes the symptoms even stronger until one day you get a full-blown panic attack i think also i absolutely agree with you another important thing is um to understand what it, the thing that triggers your anxiety and um whenever you do start to experience that anxiety to not shy away from it to yeah, stay in that thing that's making you anxious yes because essentially what's happening um you're experiencing so much stress that your flight or your fight or flight mechanism is being uh is being kick-started and it's going to be your extent your, your your instinct to flight or to like get away from that stimulus which right. is causing you to be stressed If you reinforce that path in your mind and in your brain, it's going to be easier and easier for you to have these panic attacks versus if you just like stay and expose yourself to the right. stimulus that's giving you that anxiety, your brain is going to realize, wait a minute, I could flood this guy with as much with as yeah. many uh, hormones yeah. as I can and he's still going to be here. Yeah. I'm not going to have this panic attack anymore. Right. So I think that's also very important. It's essentially cognitive behavioral therapy that you're doing on yourself. It's, it's exposure to that therapy, desensitization. Yeah. So you're just desensitizing yourself to uh, the response. So like Jose said, don't shy away from it. So when you start getting those symptoms, uh, here's what you do. You acknowledge them. You say, okay, I'm having these symptoms. I'm not going to run away from them. I'm going to just deal with it right now. Don't run away because if you run away, it's going to get worse. Deal with it. Accept it. Say, okay, I'm feeling the anxiety right now. This is okay. And then try to meditate through it. Try to just focus on your breathing. Take some time. And eventually, it's going to feel like in the beginning, it's gonna, if in the beginning, it feels like it gets worse. And then it slowly gets a lot better. And if you keep doing that, eventually, you'll be completely free of it. And, you know, like right now, I can talk about this so comfortably because... I feel like I don't have that kind of crippling anxiety that I had at that time. Because we, you were able to get over it. Right. Just like me. But dude, two years ago, if I were to talk about it even after this happened, I yeah. would feel the anxiousness because I, 
I was remembering it. Yeah. But once you get, you, you will get, people think that I'm never going to be normal again. Like after that happens, mm-hmm. you know, like, do you remember feeling like that? Absolutely. I was like, man, I'm never going to be like, am I ever going to be normal again? What the heck just happened? Why am I all of a sudden so anxious? And, mm-hmm. and like, you think you're never going to get over it. You're going to get over it. It's going to take time. It's going to take practice. And cut out caffeine if you're drinking caffeine. Definitely stop. Caffeine. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Don't drink more than like four to like five cups of coffee a day because it could definitely play a big role in you becoming anxious. You're essentially elevating your blood pressure. You're raising your cortisol levels. I understand some people need it to function, but believe me, you do not. You've been essentially like I need it to function, but you don't. Well, okay. trust me. If you decide <laughs> to like cut it off and just like yeah, I don't have more than one or two withdrawals for like two or three days you realize that you're going to be naturally able to wake up and be able to function completely fine. Coffee is something that we do not need in our lives yeah. at all. I cut it out ex- after that happened for yeah. about six months. Yeah. And I started up again. And then when you started up again, it was great because you had like one small cup of coffee, like half of it, and you'll be like, wow, this is fantastic. But then you keep getting more and more coffee, and then you have like an eight cups of coffee if they have it, yeah. which is very expensive. You have putting all these extra sugar into your body unless you take like black coffee. Yeah. So, I, I'm not a big coffee person, and that is well known around my circle of friends, but yeah. that's neither I used to be there. Yeah, I used to it's be. It's a freaking down Yeah. <laughs> and, and Red Bull. And oh, man, I remember that. I remember you just sitting in Fee Hall with just a can of Red Bull right next to you every single yeah. time. All right, so we're not going to go there. There's a, there's a topic we're going to go there on, and I think it's better if we just don't, don't at this time, but... Uh, Jose, I think some people would probably be interested to know more about like uh, your Navy experience. Like how, like what, what do you think about it? Is it beneficial? What are the what are the perks and what are the minuses? Yeah, so um, I'm the type of person I'm like zero generation immigrant, um, Cuban, like I mentioned earlier, and never in a million years I would think that I would be in the military. It was never in my plan. It was never in my radar until I got to medical school because. Eventually, when you do get accepted, you're going to have to come to the realization that um, it's going to be a lot of money and um, you're going to have to find a way to pay for this. Most people usually end up taking out loans because, hey, you go to a state school and in the long, in the long haul, it's going to be, you're going to be able to pay it off as an attending, as a medical doctor, which a lot of people have no problems with. But there's going to be some of you that are going to realize, like, man, this is a lot of money and I'm not going to want to pay this back. And just, you know, I want to keep an option and I want you guys to think about this, which would be to consider uh, joining the military um, and having them, well, not really joining the military, just having them pay for your school and then you will have to pay them back time as a doctor um, once you get all your training, which is what I'm doing now. And at least for me, I thought it was the right choice because they paid for almost $300,000 worth of medical education. I graduated with my medical school with $0 worth of debt. I'm getting my medical training in our nation's capital. Uh, Go ahead. Go ahead. So I'm getting my medical training now in our nation's capital and Walter Reed is a very fine hospital. I'm very happy with the training that I'm getting now. And I'm gonna have great opportunities after getting my training to do some really exciting things. Um, especially if you're somebody that's interested in maybe emergency medicine or infectious disease, maybe orthopedics or plastics, because you're gonna have to, you're gonna deal with, um, you know, uh, I guess uh, soldiers coming back from the battlefront, from the front lines, downrange, as we call it, and there's going to be a lot of uh, interesting, you know, pathology going on that you would not otherwise have the opportunity to deal with in the civilian side. I feel like, especially if you're into emergency medicine, you have cases, especially if you're in a forward operating base, that you deal with on a regular basis that would make a career in, you know, any other hospital in any other inner city. So that's something to consider. Uh, I'm not gonna see. Uh, um, also, just in case, like people think that military medicine is like very structured, and you're gonna be like saluting people left and right. It's not like that at all. It's sort of like the medicine like branch is like sort of like on the side. Yeah, we do have to know some like military. We have to have some military bearing, but it's definitely not as strict as you probably might think. And it's very. It's definitely a very very progressive. Um, I guess, branch of the military. At least all of my attendings have been, all of my co-residents have been amazing. 
and they're definitely not like G.I. Joe's whatsoever. And I just wanted to pitch that in, out there because some people might be thinking about it or some people might just be wondering if uh, this is an option for them. And if there's any questions at all, I'll be more than happy to answer it. Uh, just get in contact with me on my Instagram. And what's, your, uh, what's your Instagram, Matt? Uh, so I think my Instagram is jr uh, is jred1254. All right, and that's where people can find you and follow you and ask you questions. Yeah, and I'll be more than happy to just guide you through at least your decision making. Even if you don't think it might be right for you, I'm more, I'll be more than happy to talk to you about it. And whether you want to or not, I mean, I get, I literally gain nothing out of this. Uh, but I think it's a viable option out there that a lot of people might benefit from. And, you know, some people might just be like I was, that I never wanted to, like, be in the military because, you know, who wants to, like, maybe go to, like, a battlefield. But I don't think it's like that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just something to keep in mind. Something to keep in mind. Awesome. All right, Jose. Good having you on the podcast, bro. All right, man. Now let's go and uh, let's go party it up. Let's go. Hey guys, thanks for tuning into the podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode with my buddy Jose. Uh, we will be doing more episodes like this every once in a while where we talk about med school life and answer questions for pre-meds and med students. This is, once again, just a supplemental part of the podcast. I want to get my followers involved in listening on here and and, uh, maybe give some insight into what it's like being being a a medical resident or a student or going through all the stages uh, to get here. Uh, Once again, if you guys want to check out Metalita.com, you can get a discount using Beyond Medicine 20. I know you see the codes all the time, but if you guys enjoy this podcast and you listen, use our code Beyond Medicine 20. It'll help us with our podcast, and it's kind of just like a thank you. Uh, We consider it as a thank you to us, and uh, we'd really appreciate uh, if you did that. So you can check out Metalita.com. And you can choose from any of their scrubs or their scrub jackets. And I wouldn't tell you guys to get anything that I wouldn't personally purchase myself. And something that I wouldn't personally wear myself. So uh, it's a company I'm 100% behind and I would feel comfortable sending my followers to. Also for young pre-meds who are uh, just starting out on their journey or even high school students who would like to get better at studying. I would say that studying is a skill that takes years to perfect, and even now as a resident, I still have not been able to perfect it. If you can get some help along the way and ease sort of some of those uh, learning growths, growth pains that you might have in learning how to study, I would check out Dr. Buck Parker's study course. It's, uh, it's pretty interesting. He provides a lot of motivation, actually, which is really interesting. And uh, a lot of good techniques to help you study better and learn better. So if you want to check that out, it's in the show notes. Also, one more thing, guys. Uh, If you could share this podcast or tell people about it or even post it on your stories, if you screenshot you listening to the episode and posting it on your stories, tagging at Beyond Med and even my personal page at drami.do, I will be resharing your posts and tagging you in my stories as well. So give us a share. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Peace.